Entrepreneur on Fire 677. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Behind fear and lack of confidence, design projects are what I see hold entrepreneurs back most. Luckily, 99designs can help. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Be there for your customers no matter where you are. Go to evoice.com to sign up for your free trial and enter promo code FIRE for an additional $5 off per month. That's evoice.com promo code FIRE. What's shaking, Fire Nation? John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Chris Widener. Chris, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely, John. Thanks yes. for having me. Chris is one of the top speakers in the world today. He is the author of 12 books and has produced 85 CDs and DVDs on success, leadership, and motivation. Chris worked closely with and was mentored by two speaking legends, Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn. Chris, I've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. Sure. Well, um, I got a bad start in life. My dad died when I was four. Uh, He was making about $90,000 a year in 1969, but he was severely underinsured. So that sort of thrust us uh, out of the upper class to the lower middle class. My mom, who hadn't worked outside of the home in about 15 years, started selling real estate and flipping houses long before there were television shows about flipping houses. Uh, but it was sort of a downward spiral. I ended up uh, living in 28 homes. I went to 11 different schools. I got into drugs by the fifth grade. I was smoking pot every day by the seventh grade and making most of my money by betting the horses at Long Acres Horse Track. Uh, smoked opium for the first time in eighth grade. And as you can tell, by eighth grade, I was headed in the wrong direction. Uh, summer before my senior year of high school, though, I got it all together. I figured out I wanted to get something done with my life. And that began the journey uh, of, of studying success. And I graduated from college. I got into college, barely. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was, as Zig Ziglar said, in the half of the class that made the top half possible. And uh, <laughs> I got into college, uh, got got into it, barely uh, got into it. But then I got out of it and uh, started speaking to high school, summer camps, um, colleges, youth groups, those kinds of things. And then just navigated the waters and continued to grow my business and and today, um, I, I speak all around the world. I've spoken in Russia, Germany, China, Singapore, Australia, Spain, Egypt, uh, all over the world to groups as large as 25,000 people. Um, and I've had my own television show. I've co-hosted a TV show with Zig Ziglar. I co-wrote Jim Rohn's last book. I was very, uh, very fortunate to be mentored by some, some great, great people. And I believe very much in, in people mentoring people. Um, because I was a great beneficiary of it. Um, and, and today, I spend most of my time doing speaking and writing um, and, and just growing my business and helping people. My, my motto, I know you wanted my motto or my mantra, and that is I help people turn their potential and performance, succeed in every area of their lives, and achieve their dreams. And that's what my whole business is about. Wow. Well, Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn, I mean, 
you cannot, Chris, get better mentors than that. I, I do another podcast called Quotes on Fire, and it just seems that when it comes to inspiring and successful quotes and mantras, those two are just taking the charts by storm. I mean, they, they just have that mindset. They have that mentality. And to be able to have been personally mentored by them, I mean, it is just out of this world fortunate. So congratulations to you. And Chris, to kind of give you a little breakdown about Entrepreneur on Fire and what we do here on the show, we tell stories. And the stories we tell aren't just of what you're doing successful today. We're definitely going to get to that. But before we do, we like to close that chasm between you, Chris, this wildly successful entrepreneur, and our listener, you know, who may or may not be successful, who may be on their path right now, who might be a soon-to-be or entrepreneur. So let's first and foremost start with a story about a time during your entrepreneurial journey, Chris, when you failed, when you just fell flat in your face. And Chris, what was that story and what were the lessons that you learned? Well, this may turn into about a three-hour podcast if you <laughs> yes. want to talk about my failures. Uh, you, you know, in fact, I just I, before we got on the podcast, I was um, uh, Darren Hardy, publisher of Success, a good buddy of mine, and he just posted a thing that said, failure is what entrepreneurs eat for lunch uh, or it's a daily meal or something like that. Because Absolutely. that's a reality is that entrepreneurs fail. But the difference between the successful and the unsuccessful is that successful entrepreneurs continue after their failure. So, I mean, I could tell you tons and tons of them. I'll start with some of the ones that were the most beneficial for me to learn lessons from. Uh, early on, I, um, I let a guy continue to work for me who I should have fired. Um, and I knew I should have fired him. He was not a good worker. He was divisive underneath the, the surface. He was very friendly on top of the surface, which allowed him to ingratiate himself to a lot of the people in the organization. Um, but I knew I should have fired him. And ultimately, nine years into it, I did fire him. And what it made me realize was, uh, I call this the Maximus Principle. If you remember, uh, if you remember the movie Gladiator, oh, and yeah. at, the very, at the very beginning, they're getting prepared for war, and they're trying to make the decision on whether or not they're going to go to war. And uh, there's this exchange, and the exchange, one of the guys says, um, he, he starts to say, the casualties will be too great. But he only gets the words, the casualties will be, and Maximus inserts himself in and says, acceptable. He knew that going to war, there would be casualties, but they, he knew that they had to go now, and the casualties would be acceptable, <clears throat> but they'd be less than if they went further on. So let me pile back on to this, this uh, lesson sure. that I learned. Had I fired this guy early on, there would have been casualties. There would have been people who would have been upset. There would have been people who would have left. There would have been people who would have uh, you know, been dis disappointed and all those kinds of things. But by not, so there would have been casualties, but they would have been acceptable casualties. Um, but what happened was, was I, I, I didn't have the courage or I was making a bargain with the devil. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't do it. Um, but I let him ingratiate himself for nine years and become a big, strong leader in the organization. And when I finally had to fire him, in fact, our board unanimously fired him, um, it was an even bigger mess. So the casualties were, were uh, extraordinary at that point. It set our organization back a couple of years. And, uh, and so it was a real failure of me as a leader. I mean, I started that when I was 25. And I knew by the time I was 26, I should fire him. And I didn't fire him until I was 34. So um, it, it was a lesson that I learned early on that um, entrepreneurs have got to make hard decisions. And if you chicken out, 
like I did, uh, and I'm a pretty brave guy. Uh, I've, I've made lots of courageous decisions in my life, but um, that was a time that I didn't, and it caused me uh, a lot of problems. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that was my biggest lesson was you've got to surround yourself with the best, and it's a mistake if you allow people into your organization that are not uh, the best, who are not dedicated to uh, helping you achieve uh, who are not win-win people, who are not mutually beneficial people. And that was a big, big mistake of mine. It set my organization back a couple of years. So, Chris, here we are at episode 677 of Entrepreneur on Fire. And there's specific themes that are definitely going to crop up when you get this many interviews under your belt. And one of those themes that comes up time and time again is the importance of hiring incredibly slow and thoroughly, but then firing incredibly fast. And it's something that so many entrepreneurs seem to make a misstep, especially in that first round when they're first building their team. So Fire Nation, as you're listening to this, realize the importance of the words that Chris is sharing. And I love that you use that word courageous, Chris. That's a really impactful word to me as a former officer in the U.S. Army. And I look at that word courageous as really important in a lot of ways. And it's not just courageous by always necessarily doing something that seems to take a lot of courage right at that forefront. But for me, when I was in my journey, Chris, and I was in law school and I quit after one semester and I was in corporate finance and I walked away from a six-figure job into nothing. And then the same thing in commercial real estate. Like to me, I had the courage to quit that I actually gained when I was in the army because I knew that those careers were not resonating with me. So there's a lot of forms of courage and you've distributed it many times. You've shown that many times in your journey. And it's really important for Fire Nation to realize the different forms that courage can take. And Chris, you're, you're a magical storyteller. That's the reason why you're one of the best speakers literally in the world. You've been mentored by the best. You've become one of the best. Tell us another story, this time on the other end of the spectrum, of a time that you had a light bulb, an aha moment, Chris, that just went off in your mind. And Chris, Take us to that moment and then walk us through the steps that you took to turn that aha moment into success. Well, I'll tell you an interesting story that was long before I was an entrepreneur, but it, it has affected my life for the rest of my life. I was actually 11 years old and I got a job, my dream job at 11. I was, became a ball boy for the Seattle Supersonics. Yes. Uh, so you can imagine an 11-year-old boy, <laughs> now all of a sudden he's in the locker room of, a, of an NBA basketball team. Now, when I started, was uh, I believe it was in November of 1977, and the Seattle Supersonics were 2-11 and 11 when I started. Uh, they got to 5-17, and 17, and the owner fired the coach, hired Lenny Wilkins, uh, brought him in, and the, as the story goes, we ended up going to the 7th game of the world championship that year. We lost to the Washington Bullets. We beat the Bullets the next year. But in that first year, I was 11 years old, and about a month into it, I fell off a roof and I broke both my arms. Mm. And and so I showed up. I'm 11 years old. I weigh about 85 pounds soaking wet. And I, I show up back to the locker room, and I walk into the locker room before the game, and um, Frank Furtado, the trainer, was taping the ankles of Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson was, was only a couple years into his career. He was not the legend that he became playing for the Celtics and winning all those championships, defensive player of the year, many years, Hall of Fame player. Um, DJ was getting his ankles wrapped, and I walked in, and they both kind of looked at me and chuckled because my arms were both encased in casts up to my shoulders just about. 
And I and Frank laughed to the trainer. He said, you know, what happened? I told him and I said, you know, can I keep my job? And, and Frank said, you can keep your job if you can do your job. Ooh. Well, w- one of my jobs was to carry uh, two jugs of Gatorade, five gallon jugs of Gatorade. So five gallons of Gatorade, each one, well, one was Gatorade, one was water, but each one probably weighed about 50 pounds. And I had to carry them from the locker room out to the court. And the court was through a big, long tunnel, then through an open foyer uh, where all the fans could stand, and then about another 100 feet out to the court once you entered into the arena. So I went in and I started mixing up all the Gatorade and getting it all prepared and putting the ice in. And, and then I dragged those things out to the door of the locker room, uh, you know, 50 pounds. They weighed almost as much as I did. And, um, and as I walked, as I was dragging him through the locker room, you know, barely dragging him, Dennis Johnson had gotten his ankles taped. He was back in the locker room and out of the trainer's room. And he said, hey, do me a favor. Uh, wait for me on the outside of the doors. And I said, uh, okay. So I drugged the, the jugs through the doors and waited. I had no clue what was about to happen. And um, I came, Dennis Johnson came out about five minutes later and he had a basketball in his hand. He thrust the basketball into my broken arms and he picked up the jugs and he carried them for the next six weeks. He carried them out to the court for me, um, which was a, an amazing thing for an NBA player to do. But what was he? Even more humbling for him to do was he carried him through that 150-foot section of the stadium, the concourse of the stadium, where the tunnel opened into the concourse where the fans were and then emptied into the stands. Uh, and then, you know, now they're more private. But back then, he had to walk carrying my water and Gatorade for six weeks, two or three times a, a week, through all the fans. And the, the fans saw him carrying the water. Now, that was such an amazing lesson for for me because here was a, a, an NBA player on his way to becoming a superstar who did such a kind and generous act for a little boy, and that's really what I was, was a little boy, so that I could keep my job. And uh, the long story is that I ended up keeping that job for seven years, and I became the longest-running uh, uh, ball boy in the history of the NBA because most people didn't get hired at 11, and I stayed until I was 18. Seven years I, I ended up working there only because of the kind generosity of a superstar NBA basketball player. And then what that really taught me was was a way of doing business and a way of living life um, that no matter how big you get, you're always a kind, humble servant of a man. Uh, Zig Ziglar said it best, you can have anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want out of life. And it positions you as a servant rather than a lord. And when I look in my industry and I see all of these big name speakers, many of whom are colleagues and contemporaries of mine, they get filled with uh, ego and pride. And when they show up to speak, they have these writers, these contract writers about everything that has to be given to them in order to make them come and speak to them. And what I tell people is, is I want to be the easiest speaker you've ever worked with. Uh, as long as you pay my fee and fly me out there and put me up in a hotel, I'll do what you want, when you want. Uh, if you want me to speak an hour and a half, I'll speak an hour and a half. If you get behind schedule and you only need me for 45 minutes, I'll speak for 45 minutes because the event isn't about me. The event is about you. When I do business with people, it's not about me. 
you're not fortunate because you get Chris Widener to come on a podcast or, or you get to have me speak at your event or, or you do coaching. I'm fortunate because I get to help people and share stories that, that will help people achieve. And so that was something that happened at a very early age and taught me the value of humility, generosity, kindness, and service. And it's become something that uh, I think about regularly. Chris, there's so many things I want to pull out of that. It's such an impactful story. I'm glad you chose that one and specifically for many, many reasons. First and foremost, when you said Lenny Wilkins came in, my heart jumped a little bit. Being a Providence College alumni, I love Lenny Wilkins. He's the pride of our school, along with John Thompson as well, obviously. You know, we've produced well, some. Let, John, John, let me tell you a story about Lenny then, if sure. you like Lenny. Yeah, I love uh, Lenny. It's, another, it's another story. Lenny and his son Randy's a, a, a friend of mine. Um, we were in Washington, D.C. I went, I went back there that year. We were in Washington, D.C., and I was the ball boy. I went, traveled with them, and I was back in D.C. with them, fifth game of the world championship, I think, or fourth game of the world championship. And I was a, a – uh, well, at that time, I was a 12-year-old kid. My birthday's in April, and I wanted a souvenir. So I was down in the gift shop at the Hyatt Regency uh, there in Washington, D.C., and I asked if they had, you know, something, you know, that would be something I could take as a gift, and I asked for a money clip, and I don't know why a 12-year-old kid wanted a money clip. Maybe I knew I wanted money, uh, <laughs> but I asked for a money clip, and they said, sorry, we don't have any money clips. Well, that night, I was at the game, and one of my jobs as a ball boy was to, was to have what's called a valuable bag. It was a bag that had like um, wire mesh or a steel mesh woven into it. And then we would tie it off and padlock it. We'd take it to the home team and they would put it in a safe. And what it was was it was all the watches and gold jewelry and chains and bracelets and things like that that the players had so they didn't leave them in the locker room. So Lenny Wilkins called me over. He said, hey, Chris, come here. And he handed me a, uh, a little case and, uh, and he said, this is for you. And I said, you mean for the valuable bag? Because I was actually carrying the valuable bag with me. He said, no, it's for you. And I said, oh, what? And he said, yeah, it's for you. Open it up. And I opened it up, and it was a pure silver money clip with an ivory and turquoise basketball, or not turquoise, um, uh, blue sapphire uh, basketball in it. And I don't know how in the world, maybe he was on another aisle in the gift shop or maybe his wife was in the gift shop and heard me ask for it. I have no clue how. But, he, I mean, here's this guy about ready to coach an NBA championship game. And he thinks to himself, this would make this little kid's day. And he gave me a, 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 a silver money clip. And, you know, those are just some lessons. They're not business lessons. But they're life lessons and they're people lessons that translate into being the kind of people who will make a difference. And that, that's my favorite Lenny Wilkins story. Oh, uh, what a terrific, it. kind, and generous man he was. Well, they definitely breathe them right at Providence College, Chris. I can That's tell you right. that. <laughs> and, you know, there's so many lessons that I took away from that. You know, number one is Fire Nation, be humble, be happy. And we can start substituting that word humble for a couple of things too, like be kind, be happy. I mean, there's so many things, be generous, be genuine, be transparent. These things that you can choose to do are the path to actual happiness. And we're not talking about success right now. We're talking about life in general. And Chris, you, again, are just this amazing storyteller. I feel like I was there with you when Lenny Wilkins handed you this money clip. Share with us one more story. This story is your proudest entrepreneurial moment. I have two of them, so I'm going to tell them briefly. Uh, one 
was when I stood on a stage of 25,000 people for the first time. And I give my all no matter what. I give my all whether it's 200 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people or 25,000 people. Um, but it was, it was a moment where I thought I've lived my life and I've cultivated my career and my craft enough that an organization recognized the value that I could bring to 25,000 of their people. It wasn't so that I could brag about the amount of people because the reality is, is, is that, um, people are people no matter how many of them are there. Um, but it was, it was the, the understanding that someone that I had lived my life in business to the degree that someone valued it enough to say we could pick anybody we want to put up there. We could pick anybody we want. In fact, they do. They, they have people like uh, Donald Trump and John Maxwell and, and some folks like that that they put up on their stage. And to me, that was a proud moment because I, I got asked to be there because I made myself into someone who was valued for his ideas and his thoughts and his ability to speak. The second one was in a, in a sadder moment. It was um, at the Jim Rohn Memorial. Uh, Jim passed away and I spent the last seven years of his life. And my most cherished picture, other than my family pictures, my most cherished business picture was after the memorial, they had the speakers stand on the stage and, and they took a picture. And these were people that Jim had impacted uh, deeply. And in that picture was Harvey McKay, Les Brown, Anthony Robbins, Dennis Waitley, and myself. And I looked at the picture and I thought, these men are legends. Um, they're tremendous people. And for a moment in time, we were all together to be able to honor a man that had impacted our life. You know, Jim gave Tony his first job. Most people don't know that. Tony's first job at age 17 was selling Jim Rohn seminars. And it sort of was full circle from the first guy that Jim mentored in Tony to the people who were his contemporaries, Les Brown and Darren Hardy and Dennis Waitley and Harvey McKay, to myself, who spent those last seven years uh, working with him. That was a proud moment to be able to honor a man that has impacted so many people and to be considered um, uh, as a person who could be pictured in that group of, of men who are making an impact worldwide in the, in the tens and even hundreds of millions. Wow. I mean, Fire Nation, take that in. This is Chris living his authentic self and being recognized for that. And Chris, We've been doing a lot of talking about your way, way past and about your more recent past, but I want to bring things to today. I want to talk Chris Widener right now. What's the one thing that has you most fired up in your life? I'm actually launching my own podcast uh, after, re after, after reading your book. I do a podcast now. Um, it's a political podcast, and I won't go into it because I've, I've realized with politics, it doesn't matter what side I am. There's 50% of the people who disagree with me. So <laughs> yes. it's a political podcast, and uh, it's, uh, it's sort of a funny, edgy take on politics today. Um, but I started that with a partner, and we're already getting uh, 50,000 downloads a month. Uh, so that's doing Huge. very well. Um, but I have a, a, a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Chris Widener Speaker, and I have 102,000 fans on it. 
And what I really realized from reading your book, uh, which is when I reached out to you to, to be on the podcast, especially after I saw how many of my friends you had on, right. um, it was really in realizing that that I'm missing a real opportunity to uh, to get that podcast up and running and, and uh, targeting those folks who are on my Chris Widener page uh, on Facebook. Um, I've partnered with uh, one of the large local radio stations here, Bonneville. They own three stations uh, here in Seattle, and they're based out of Utah. They own a number of stations, and they're going to partner with me on it, and we're going to do it, and uh, I think we're going to get it launched in September. Really exciting. Well, Chris, what I share with everybody that's about to launch your podcast Come check out our free live podcast workshop. We do it every single week. It's for people like yourself who are really looking to get that created, growing, and then eventually potentially monetizing. We, we share it all. It's all free. We just want to get this information out there because it's such a powerful medium. So Chris, we're about to enter the lightning rounds, but before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Fire Nation, why are you an entrepreneur? Perhaps it's because you don't want someone else dictating what ideas you pursue or what projects you work on. Or maybe you want to work from home and determine your own hours so you can spend more time with your family. I chose to be an entrepreneur for the freedom it affords me to do what I'm passionate about whenever and wherever I want. And with the help of the internet and services like eVoice, I can. eVoice transforms any phone into your business phone. So when your customers or business partners call, they're automatically sent to wherever you are. Whether you're out exploring new passions and ideas for your next project or in the backyard hanging out with your kids, you can still deliver the same exceptional and professional service your customers and partners expect. Right now, you can try eVoice for free for 30 days, plus get a special discount of $5 off every month forever. Go to eVoice.com, promo code FIRE. That's eVoice.com, promo code FIRE. I talk about branding a lot. It's a term that gets thrown around by all types of people, and you may be wondering what all the gab is about. What is branding anyway? In a nutshell, it's the set of perceptions that people have about your company. You need branding to create a human connection with your audience. Design is key in communicating your brand and standing out from the competition. But what options are available to business owners with little to spend on design? Many have turned to online marketplaces like 99designs to help build their brand on a budget. Startups get maximum creativity with 99designs contest model where dozens of designers compete to deliver the best design. You'll get to be involved in the process and walk away with a logo, website, or other design that truly represents your brand. See for yourself. It only takes a week to get a design and you're guaranteed to love it. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Chris, welcome to the lightning round where you get to share incredible resources in mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? It's a plan. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I might be one of those real uh, freaks of nature. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur starting from, you know, I started scalping Mariners tickets when I was 12 years old outside <laughs> the stadium. Uh, I actually got into the final four in 1984 by scalping, buying and selling tickets. Uh, I worked my way up from a $10 ticket to sitting eight, about eight rows up for the Georgetown game. Um, so I might be one of those little freaks of nature, but I'll tell you, I was just said to my wife last night, I have a real good friend, one of my best friends. He makes about $500,000 a year and got a nice corporate job. And of course, I'm an entrepreneur and starting things and some of them make it and some of them don't. 
And I said, it's just interesting how people choose, you know, different things. He's got this guaranteed income, but he has to get up in the morning at six in the morning. He's at work till six at night and I have all this freedom and my income goes up and down. And, and sometimes you start something and doesn't make it. So I would say it's not that anything kept me from doing it, but if there's anything that tempts me to get out of it, it's security. And uh, but I realize that I prefer freedom over security. And that's really what you have to be if you're going to have an entrepreneur. Doesn't mean you're not tempted to, to go get security. But uh, but it's that you you prefer freedom more than you prefer security. Give me freedom seven days a week. Going back to the gladiator. Freedom. So, actually, that was Braveheart. I'll get corrected by that. Yeah, <laughs> Fire Heart, Nation yeah. will correct me on that one. And side note, Chris, was that the Georgetown versus Kentucky Final Four game? I can't remember who it was. It was Patrick Ewing. Yeah, um, so I think it might have been because I was just watching. ESPN has this amazing 30 by 30 series. And last oh, yeah, night, well, I kid you not, I watched the episode going big and it was about sam Bowie, and it was amazing chris please watch that episode yeah they do yeah. the they go to the final four against georgetown so against patrick ewing it was Bowie versus ewing and obviously yeah. ewing wins out so i think you'll have some great memories from that so chris what is the best advice you've ever received best advice i ever received bar none i don't even remember who who did it we were at a conference and this woman turned to me, they had like a breakout session, uh, where, or not a breakout session, but where you turn, you know, they have you talk to people next to you. And yeah, say hello to someone behind you, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And it was eerie. It was eerie, John. This woman looked me in the eye, and, she's, and I was like 22 years old. And she said, be a voice, not an echo. I mean, is that just freaky or what? <laughs> I, never met, I never met her before. I never met her after. I didn't get her name. I can't even remember where the conference was. I don't remember anything about it, but I remember it was almost like prophetic. This woman looked in my eyes and she said, be a voice, not an echo. Oh, goosebumps. And, and that's, been my, that's been my motto. There, I don't want to be the second best Tony Robbins. I don't want to be the second best Jim Rohn. I don't want to be the second best Zig Ziglar. I want to be the best Chris Widener. I don't want to just regurgitate what other people say, although I love to quote other people where it, where it fits and, and where it can make a point. But I have to be my own person. I have to come up with my own ideas and my own um, – my own understandings and my own depth of wisdom that I can actually share from. And when I do that and I'm a voice rather than just an echo, uh, it creates tremendous value and, uh, and a, a depth of richness that allows uh, myself and, and others who also are voices rather than echoes to be able to um, touch people deeply. Well, Chris, that just made quotes on fire. I wrote that down. That's in an upcoming episode. I'm excited to mm -hmm. talk about it. Cool. So, Chris, share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. Working hard. I know that that might say, well, everybody works hard, but that's not true. Not everybody works hard. And, and the interesting thing is, is that a lot of times I don't feel like I work hard. My wife tells people he's the hardest working guy I know. And, and what I realized was, was that I love my work so much that I don't feel like I'm working. But then my wife will say, well, what time did you answer your first email this morning? And what time did you finally stop working tonight? And all of a sudden I realized, oh, wow, yeah, I work hard. Oops. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and not in a bad, she doesn't say that in a bad way, but she's helping me understand that, uh, that I work hard. 
Um, and, and I would say probably a close second is I'm willing to take risks. Um, I'm willing to, to, to stick it out there and, and put it on the line and, and uh, see what happens. So um, working hard and taking risks and letting the chips fall where they may uh, have always been a, a philosophy of mine. Chris, in the Army, we had a saying that I didn't necessarily love back then, but I love it now, and I apply it now. And that saying is, we get more done before 9 a.m. than the rest of the world does all day. And, you know, being a 23-year-old officer, having just being just one year removed from college where I slept till 11 a.m., I wasn't a big fan of it at the time, but I see the brilliance of it now, and I'm proud to apply that to my day every single day and look at the clock I'm- and sometimes see it's 8.45 right now. And I know that I've done more today than most of the rest of the world will do all day. As an army guy, I thought you were going to say uh, we get more done by 9 a.m. than the Navy gets done all month. So. <laughs> I have a lot of veterans that listen to this and I'm actually the host of a veterans podcast where yeah. I interview all the branches. So I try to keep it a little more politically savvy and you get that, Chris, being a political. Well, I got a son who's a, I got a son-in-law who's a devil doc in the, uh, in, he's in the Navy, but he's embedded with the Marines. And so uh, I, li- I like them all. Super cool. Well, Chris, let's talk about an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with Fire Nation. Well, I'll tell you, I'm super excited about uh, a new program that I just developed. Uh, It's at widenerleadership.com. And uh, if you go to widenerleadership.com forward slash Chris, it'll actually give you a a free 23-minute video where I talk about my, my, uh, my book, The Art of Influence, and how to influence and persuade other people. It's a freebie. Of course, you got to give us your email. And and, but anybody who's listening to this, you get the drill, right? So you give us your email, and, and uh, we give you a free um, uh, video. But widenerleadership.com forward slash Chris is a, um, it's a, a resource that I finally put together about transformational leadership. And it's 90 days long. It's um, uh, 35 videos. It's 16 interviews that I did with business leaders, wow. many of whom you've interviewed. Um, and it's just a tremendous resource because what I realized was, was that a lot of times people go to a conference and they sit down and they listen for a day or two and they're all fired up and then they leave and then it fizzles, right? Fizzle. So I thought what we really need to do is we need to give them something that takes them a little longer and a little further so it becomes habit, it becomes discipline, it embeds in their mind over the course of time. So it's 90 days long, 35 videos, uh, 16 audios, and then a bunch of streaming stuff. You can find it all at at WidenerLeadership.com forward slash Chris where we give you the free video. But I'm super excited about that um, because it allows me uh, to help people without actually, you know, being there at their event. It's uh, it's on their own time. They can watch the videos. All of the videos are are, uh, uh, about five minutes long. So they're not these hour-long videos that people with all good intentions sign up for and then they never watch because they're too busy. Um, they come uh, two or three a week, uh, three or four a week, something like that, bite size. Uh, it's, it's something I'm really, really excited about. It's, it's a, a good online learning program for people who want to be great leaders. Boom. Well, Chris, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Magic of Thinking Big. When I wrote the book 12 Pillars, um, which is the book I'd recommend of mine, 12 Pillars, I co-wrote with Jim Rohn. Uh, it's my best-selling book. But in that, we have a whole section on reading and the importance of reading. And I give a whole list of books uh, that you should read. Uh, I think there's 30 books in there that everybody should read. 
Um, but the book that the the mentor hands the mentee to get him started in the book, in the story, he hands him The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz um, because it's it's really about thinking big that enables people to succeed. I'll give you an example of how that worked in my life. Um, I When I joined the National Speakers Association, I went to my first meeting. There were 2,000 people there. And I looked at all these independent contractors and I said, the guy who's going to make the most money is the one who wraps this business up. So I went on a, about a six-month to nine-month licensing binge. I licensed a 1,000 audio programs from a couple hundred speakers. And my partner and I then boxed them into box sets of 14 CDs and one DVD around topics like leadership, sales success, winning strategies, verbal power. And within a year, we were selling 50,000 units a month through Costco and Sam's Club. Wow. Now, it's the only retail sales call I've ever made in my life. I didn't start out at Joe's Five and Dime and say, hey, we've got these programs. Can you stock five of them? We, we thought big. We went to Sam's Club and, and uh, Costco. And we were selling 50,000 units a month at $30 a pop. And, uh, and that was just because I thought big. Um, thinking big is, is what enables people to succeed. When I was 14 years old, a guy asked me, he worked with my mother and he wanted to get rich. He was poor and didn't have a lot of money. But he borrowed some money from a rich uncle to license the ability to sell these plastic self-watering flower pots. So he, he said to me, Chris, would you want to sell these and I'll pay you a dollar a pot? And I said, sure, I'll sell them for you. I was 14 years old. He thought I was going to go door to door selling pots one by one for a dollar a piece. The only sales call I ever made, I conned my mom into taking me down to Ernst Home Centers, or maybe it was Pay and Pack at the time, uh, but it was the local regional. They had about 120 stores, garden stores before Home Depot and, and all these big, big box stores. And I got a I got an appointment with the buyer at 14. I walked in. I demonstrated these self-watering flower pots. And he said, I'll start out with an order, tw- uh, five boxes a month for 20 stores for a year. And I sold. <laughs> so, you know, what is that? It, it's uh, five times 20. It's 100 boxes. 1,200 boxes I sold. I went back to the guy and I said, I just sold 1,200 boxes. And he freaked out so bad, he actually quit the business and gave the money back or got his money back and gave the license back because he was so scared of being able to fulfill this order. Well, the only thing I ever thought was, I don't want to make a dollar a pot. I want to make, you know, $1,200 a month at age 14 or how many it was. And, uh, and, and so um, it was thinking big. So whether I was 14 or, or, uh, or 38 when I started the Costco business or 40 maybe, it's all about thinking big. Let other people think small. Think big. It, it's just as easy to think big as it is to think small. The magic of thinking big. And Fire Nation, if you're trying to do the math in your head, I did it for you. 50,000 sales a month at $30 is a cool 1.5 mil per month. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Chris, this next question is the last of the lightning rounds, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up, Chris, tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I would find as many people as I could who I could serve. Um, I got my start in this business, ghostwriting. Um, I got my start in this business by paying some big name speakers to come to conferences. Um, 
big name people get asked a question all the time, and that is, hey, can you help me? They say, I want to be a speaker like you. Can you help me? I want to be a business person like you. Can you help me? But the thing that big name people and successful people hardly ever hear is, how can I help you? And so, again, it's that Zig Ziglar quote, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want out of life. I would begin asking people, how can I help you? Uh, how can I help you sell your products? How can I help you expand your brand? How can I help you uh, meet more people? Um, how can I help you? And when you come from a position of service, it, it, it allows people to pull down those barriers of mistrust and, uh, and it allows them to, to let you serve them. But now you're in their circle of influence and once they realize that you're actually there to serve people, then they're willing to push open doors. Um, I started out, lack of a better word, uh, for word picture, carrying water for a lot of the big names in the industry. And it was because I was willing to be number two or number three uh, that allowed me to be positioned with those folks, that allowed me, uh, as they've uh, passed on and, and, and uh, moved on, it has allowed me to, to be in that realm that allows me to speak all over the world and make an impact for so many people. Fire Nation, the power of being an apprentice is absolutely astounding. And Chris, I just want to thank you for being so inspiring to Fire Nation today. Let's end with you giving us just one parting piece of guidance, sharing the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. My best piece of advice would be to think big. I mean, I, I keep coming back to that. Um, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you want to start something, but why start one store when you could start 20 stores? Um, why open up in one location or two locations when you could set a goal for yourself to open up into a hundred locations? Will it be harder? Yes. Will it take more time? Yes. Will you have more at risk? Yes. But it's kind of like what Jim Rohn always used to say, let other people lead small lives, but not you. Let other people think small, but not you. Uh, we need people, especially in, in uh, America where I live today, um, you know, we've got uh, an economy that, uh, you know, is questionable. We've got people in debt. We've got, uh, you know, economics that people wonder about. We need just absolute fired up, sold out entrepreneurs to go out and do something big, not something small. Do something big. Aim high. Shoot for the stars. Do something big. Uh, as far as connecting with me, they can connect with me in a, a number of different places. First is chriswidener.com. Uh, that's spelled W-I-D-E-N-E-R, chriswidener.com. You can find me on Facebook and join 102,000 other folks at uh, facebook.com forward slash chriswidenerspeaker. And they can find me on Twitter at chriswidener. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Chris and myself today, so keep up the heat. And Chris, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything of value that we've been talking about in today's episode at eofire.com. Just type Chris in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Chris, thank you for being so incredibly generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Fire Nation. 
Podcasting is exploding in 2014, and I share with you the number one reason why and how podcasting can help your business explode its demographic and grow your audience. Join me for our free live podcast workshop every week at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.